Welcome to the Winey Shuffle, the Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan podcast. The podcast that is back with more controversy, more acrimony and more dirty language than Ian Vigers in a night out. Uh, you're now listening to the first of our season preview pods, the preview before the big preview pod discussing things such as who's shining on the dotted line at Caledonian Stadium, what will football down the long run look like when we're finally allowed to return and how did Charlie Trafford get a move to the Premier League? And throughout the pod, we're going to be joined by a literal ICT hero of past, present and future, Cali Thistle first team coach and club legend, Barry Wilson, who will provide us with the insight that we sadly lack. So let's go back to the future. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No bars or sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? Welcome all. It's been exactly 168 days since we did a, a proper podcast like this. So joining me today as we jump through time, because we are jumping through time, we're looking at the past, when the previous season was called, we're looking at the present, uh, where the football club is at the moment, and we're looking at the future. So what does this unprecedented season ahead hold? So joining me on this thematic quantum leap is a man who always hopes that his next leap will be the leap home, but instead he's in Ayrshire, Dr. Sam Beckett, Andrew Young, hello. Hello. Uh, a man, though dishevelled in appearance and curmudgeonly in spirit, can solve the universe's problems with a flick of his little screwdrivers, Dr. Who, Ross McKenzie. Hi, hello. how you doing? Uh, and a man who positively, absolutely cannot be stopped talking about Christmas card lists, the Terminator, Stevie Riley, how you doing? I'll be back. How you doing? <laughs> um, I'm Andrew Moffat, so I'll, I'll be I'll be Doc Emmett Brown. So, how have you boys and how have you boys been injecting 21.1 gigawatts into your lives over the past few months? Uh, how have you been getting your football fix, Riley? We know how you've been getting your fix. You've just been talking to football players, haven't you? Yeah, mate. Just stalking football players, getting some content for this glorious pod, and uh, yeah, just generally annoying annoying footballers, as you said. Ay Ross, what about you? Have you been um, been playing Warhammer, uh, binge watching Grey's Anatomy? I've hardly watched any football, to be honest, and I'm really, really wanting it back now. Um, first few months, it's kind of like okay, different time, different pace. Um, kind of can accept that it's not there, but now what are we? End of August and no football. That's just not acceptable. Ay, yeah, I've not really been watching football either. I've been reading a variety of books. None of them are football at all. I don't think, unless don't know. Possibly, you know, a kind of um, little reference to Southampton sneaking into Pride and Prejudice or something like that. Right, well, on, onwards and upwards from there. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is essentially the speculation pod, the conjecture collection, the supposition position. Uh, we're just going to talk about, you know, what could, what could happen, what might happen and what has happened. Um, so Scottish football over the summer, even more entertaining when there, there isn't any actual, any actual football, uh, whether it's Votegate or encrypted PDF files opposition club chairman acting like children and Budge's Jackson Pollock toilet pan approach to uh, statements. Rangers shoddy kits, the player exodus to the Lowland League, Aberdeen players in a restaurant, bowling ball and gully in Spain, or Airdrie signing Lauren Robert's son. It's been, it's been quite the summer, so I'm going to ask you, you know, it's quite a summer, quite a summer, so I'm going to ask you to sum up that summer in one word, one sentence, or a film. Have you got any? Have you done your homework? I've got one in there. I'm going to stay, stay on the positivity vibe. I'm going to say, Field of Dreams, that Kevin Costner classic, right? right? If you build it, they will come, right? 
Right. So I'm going to say that Scottish football, when we get back, like any, I think any country in the league, I think we're going to see a, a, an injection of fans that we didn't have before. And I'm hoping so. Because I think, as the boys have said before, that we miss football. I've not been watching a lot of football because I think it's crap with no fans. And I think the novelty of going to a game on a Saturday and going into a, a stadium is going to increase costs and increase capacities. And we're all going to have a great time. So, yeah, if, if you build it, we will come. <laughs> Right, I'm going to take the opposite and actually answer the question you asked instead of Mr. Fucking Happy here. Um, <laughs> sum up Scottish football over the last few months in one word, book, film, or cultural reference. So the book is a confederacy of dunces. And uh, the song would be Popcorn Double Feature by the fall. I'm going with uh, Dazed and Confused. So a long, messy summer with lots of selfish, bullying behaviour. I've, uh, I've got three, so I have more time to think about it. The perfect storm. There you go. Uh, hell comes to frog time. And my favourite, it's a disaster. Are you prepared? Um, right, so Barry Wilson, he's been in Scottish football for 30 years. So we thought we'd get his thoughts on the summer of schism. It was a nightmare, wasn't it? I mean, I think everyone in Scottish football agrees that it was an absolute shambles. Mm-hmm. Uh, clubs falling out with each other. Some people telling truths and then counteracting it with other untruths, and it it got very messy. I felt, and it was, uh, you know, it, it would just be good to get back to actually playing football again. But you just wonder if some of the, you know, some of the, the fallouts will they ever be repaired? You know, because there was a lot of there was a lot of nastiness, a lot of bitterness going about at the time. She's a coach, and the players is there a wee bit of. A wee bit of a siege mentality because see, as fans, we took it to heart. Obviously, we were getting basically called liars and stuff like that. Do you think as the as the season comes on, yeah. and the coaches and the player would go? Do you know what? Let's get right up from here. Let's 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 get back in that way. I think. I mean, I don't know what these our players think now, but I mean, I remember like, when I played, we always felt it was that anyway. You know, it was the north and south divide. So you know, there, there is there is a touch of that in it. Our stance from my own point of view, it was it was refreshing to see. I felt that uh, you know, even though it might have cost the club money or whatever, I felt that the stance was the right stance for more than just ourselves. Now, granted, we would have benefited from it. Now, that's one side of it. There was no way that we were comfortable relegating uh, Hearts and particularly Patrick Thistle, um, and and the stance that we took was. 100% the right one. Um, and, um, you know, let's say I think Scott said it, it might have cost the club X amount of pounds, but he felt that that was the right thing to do. And that's what the Partick Thistle board director, CEO, asked everyone to do, was to do the right thing, what they would expect of others. It's been disappointing, but listen, it's, it's done, it's passed. Interesting from Barry there, he said, you just wonder if some of the fallouts will ever be repaired. Um, AY, will they be repaired? They probably will be because they have to sort of rub along with each other a little bit, you know. Um, I imagine that there may be a few sort of um, tighter squeezes in the handshakes, you know, after games, you know, when uh, Ross Morris and Scott Gardner got to Dunfermline or go to Morton or whatever, you know. But um, I think, you know, they will just sort of get on with it. Um, I, don't, I, I don't see there being that sort of rubbling resentment, apart from from Hearts, you know, who are going to ditch about this for, forever. And I don't think that our supporters really are going to um, carry too much resentment, because I think the expectations of going up weren't all that high. 
you know. So it'll just, it'll, it'll kick on, you know, it'll be fine. I'm going to try and hold on to that resentment as much as I can because <laughs> we don't really have much rivalry in the league. You know, they're quite a, they're quite a nice bunch, aren't they? All, uh, our broth, all places we like going, no kind yeah. of need all opposition fans, apart from obviously that lot and Gorgie. I think the other, the other eight sides, I don't really have anything against them. So the fact, you know, the idea that when we go to Dens or East End Park, there's going to be a bit of needle, I'll be hoping to carry that forward. If it's not there, we'll make it happen, eh? Would you, yeah. Ross, would you take more satisfaction from going to Dens and East End and taking points than you would have in the past, then, do you think? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just proposing that we manufacture it for, so that we have more fun on away days. I would. I, 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 I genuinely would take more satisfaction from taking points off those um, dirty bastards, definitely. Sorry, that's me with the first swear of the day. <laughs> I'm telling everyone not to swear. Right, uh, Riley, you speak with the CEO. He's dealing with other chairmen. He's dealing with CEOs on a weekly basis. Um, he's talking to them, but he's talking about he's talking to them about the good of the game rather than just trading insults over Zoom, isn't he? I think so, and I, I think I'm, I'm going to be Mr. Positive again. I think as, as much as we can joke, when it comes to getting satisfaction from taking points at Dens or East End, for me, I think both those teams will be our most. Providence are playoff position candidates, I think. Yeah. Arts, Us, Dundee, Dunfermline, I think that's my top four. So, um, no, I think regardless of what's happened off the field, that's prevalent. We get points at those, uh, with both those grounds. Um, I, I, they say that Zoom isn't too secure. I've just got an image of, of Dave McKinnon, unhinged Dave McKinnon, um, you know, jumping up on people's calls naked, drunk, slagging everyone off, and then apologising for, <laughs> apologising for it the next day. Well, Dave McKinnon's probably picking up dead foxes from Capelo as we speak, because that was his job that he said in the paper. One of his many jobs at Capelo was to um, shoot the stands on a, mon- on a Monday morning, and he'd find the odd dead fox. So, get it up, you McKinnon. Enjoys the green. You got no solo rubber bumpers. Spit that. Well, well, well. Returning to work, for most of us, that probably means having to make small talk with individuals you actively dislike re-familiarising yourself with Tesco's sandwich range and restraining yourself from asking why that wee dick on the bus isn't wearing a mask. But for Barry, Robbo, Kel, Ryan and the players, it's somewhat different. We had, we done a little health and well-being exercise with them in, uh, in July, mm-hmm. where we, we went cycling with them, we played tennis, we climbed Ben with us. We did a bit of yoga, just little things, just to get them out of the house again because they'd obviously been in the house for three or four months. So it was it was a really good, worthwhile exercise. We did a bit of cycling, you know. I mean, everything non-football related, but it was, you know, one, normally once a week we would we would meet up. So it was quite. I thought that was quite beneficial. I think the the players benefit will benefit from that. Um, just breaks it up a little bit because I mean it would have been. They're not back till September. I mean, the best part is six months. Aye. Now, thankfully, times have changed because if I had been playing and been out for six months, I'd have came back probably the size I am now. <laughs> I've seen but, nothing. Uh, haven't, <laughs> haven't, seen, haven't seen the players. They look, they've really looked after themselves. Um, so we can't wait to get going, to get working with them again. And, and uh, yeah, it'll be different, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we, we can't wait to get going again with them. Do you, do you as a coaching staff, you Robbo, Kells, the boys, do you go back in before the players for a couple of days, like a teacher, like an in-service day, or are you all back on the same day? The only difference things this year is going to be that it's going to be so condensed because we've only got four weeks. You've normally got about six. So it's going to be condensed a little bit more. Um, we'll probably meet 
I think the boys are back on a Thursday. We'll probably meet up on the Monday or the Tuesday and uh, and just you know be prepared basically. Um, but like I say, we've been we've been talking um, between the four of us with Ryan as well, Ryan Essen, and uh, so we're all yeah, say so we're all we're all geared up, ready to, ready to, ready to rock and roll. So the players are going back on the 10th of September. We've got some pre-season fixtures with Elgin and the season starts with the League Cup groups on the 6th of October, then the first league game on the 17th of October. Barry said that um, pre-season has been condensed to four to six weeks. Is that enough of a pre-season? And if not, how's that going to affect the football on display? And, and, and we're having a competitive game at Tynecastle in three weeks, five days after the date that they go back to training. So that's a worry. I like the sound of the yoga on the top of Ben Nevis. So did I hear that right? Um, yeah, I think they, um, they went they went, uh, they went cycling. They've been hill walking. I don't know about Sean Welsh going up Ben with us for the <laughs> his ankles, to be honest. And Robbo, I, I saw some quotes from Robbo in the P&J, I think, today or yesterday, saying that uh, the players have all lost weight during lockdown. So um, they've been asked to, to kind of send him their weights on a regular basis, and they're all below their normal playing weights. Um, so I guess if everybody comes back in good shape, then five weeks and two days until the start of the league season, and that's the really important thing, should be enough. But do we know whether we're going back later in other clubs or not? Well, we've, we do. I think we've done a bit of. I think we've all done a little bit of research um, coming into this. So some people will be aware that some clubs, you know, on social media, have said they're going back. Queen of the South, albeit with nine players, went back this week. Um, Alawa, uh, albeit they're part-time, they went back this week as well, I believe. Uh, and then we looked into a number of other clubs, and it, and it seems it seems at least 70% of the league is back training already. Do you think that's yeah. right, really? Is that right? Well, minimum, minimum 70%. I think, I think be, I'll open up to the, the boys. I mean, I get the club's stance in this, in this debacle, because they're also trying to maintain... Cash flow, obviously getting as much government furlough money as you can, but going with what I've heard, pre-season uh, season tickets have been through the roof, we're making a lot of money. When's best to come back? I mean, if, if half the league are coming back or three quarters of the league are coming back now, for me, that's a worry. Mm-hmm. But there must be some reason behind it. Is it just money or is it maybe the club saying, look, we don't have everything set up yet in the training pitch and, and the stadium? It could be stuff like that as well. That's Social distancing isn't in place yet, but can you get your guys' thoughts on it? It could be, yeah. faci- it could be facilities. I know at Dunfermline they've been using Alloa, they've been using the Rex because obviously that's a contained environment. They have a yeah. they have a pitch and nobody else is using that. So that's a contained environment. You know, most of your Premier League teams, they've got contained environments. I think our main issue is probably don't have a contained environment. We actually have to use someone else's. Mm-hmm. Although it isn't, I mean, wouldn't Fort George be the ideal place for social distancing? <laughs> you know, it's not exactly, you know, teeming yeah. with, uh, with life. Um, I mean, Initially, what I was going to say in response to this was that if everyone's in the same boat, then we've got one of the more settled squads, despite having lost a few players. So I think actually we would be at an advantage. But actually, if we are one of the later teams coming back, then I think, you know, I mean, there's not going to be that much sort of, you know, total football going on in this league, you know, early on. So I think kind of match fitness and sharpness and the opportunity to play together in training will have a bearing. So it makes me feel a little pessimistic that we seem to be going back later than everyone else. But obviously, as, Stevie, as you've all said, the, you know, 
if it's about making sure the club can survive financially, then it is, you know, that's the most important thing. Well, this lonely off, right? This lonely off, right? And it, it could be a double-edged sword. I mean, for people like Sean Welsh, this lonely off's been perfect for him to get back in track. But is it a good or a bad thing? I mean, if we're talking about, we've been out for, what, double double the amount of time that would normally be off in the summer. I mean, what we say? God, more than that, three times the amount. It's been six months, so... Okay. Yeah, a couple of you haven't. I've watched quite a lot of the... Um, Scottish Premier League games and the lack of quality is is quite significant in uh, in, in in every team. Um, in every is that because of maybe the lack of bite because there's no fans? Because a lot of them to me, they look like training games. They look like they're on mm. half speed. I think you've got I think you've got guys and you see it you've seen it in German football as well and English football as well to a certain extent. You've got guys that have got the very high skill levels. And for them, it's slightly easier for them to come back because the touch is always better. Um, yeah. You know, maybe they're a wee step ahead in terms of the thought process because they're smarter. So the creative players, it's a bit easier for them. But then you've got the, you know, your midfielders that maybe have to try a little bit harder because they get themselves up to that up to that pace. Maybe the guys that don't have the best touch, maybe the guys that are, rely on fitness a lot more than others. And I think you've seen it with those guys. Um, you know, that's Charlie Crawford, Luke. <laughs> I think he's been on. I think he's been on the bench. We'll talk about him later on, actually. But he's. Yeah. I think all the all the Cali Hustle players, as as, as Barrio, um, will allude to later on, um, have been on the bench. Not Jamie. Well, Jamie, 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 and Cole had already embedded um, yeah. into Premier League football. But I, I think, I think, I think, that's, I think that's the difference. I think that's the difference in, in player. But yeah. um, anyway, we'll we'll move on to talking a little bit about fans before we go on to talking about signings and departures. Um, UEFA have just confirmed that fans will attend a super the Super Cup rather than Budapest on twenty first twenty fourth of September, and thirty percent capacity allowed. So if that percentage was adopted by the Scottish government and the SFA, it would mean uh, seven thousand five hundred twelve seat capacity at the long run equals two thousand two hundred fifty three fans. Um, so, is every season ticket holder going to be getting in and, and will pay at the gate be in operation, really? I'd like to think so by the time the league um, kicks off. I mean, I'd like to think come match day, every person that's bought a season ticket should get priority and get in. And then, if fans that don't have a season ticket can't get in, so be it. But what's, like, what's the number? Do we know the, the number of tickets? We are at, we basically have done what we did last season. I think we're about 1,400 now. But that's what we've done the whole last season. And I'd expect, when it comes to October, when the league's game, the league starts, we'll get a spike again. So, and if we got 1,400 and you know they did operate that, I don't think they will operate at 30%. I think it'll be significantly less. Um, also, do you think that it will just be season ticket holders, guys, that are let in, or do you think that we will get, you know, be allowed to have pay at the gate and all ground? Bear in mind that if you're paying at the gate, you know, you don't have the details, you'd have to provide the details. But then again, you provide the details when you've got a boozer, don't you? Eh? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Ross might know a bit more about this than me because he's in sort of hell, but the way it's looking, I don't think it's going to get better, you know. I mean, there's so much, you know, the idea of opening up in society, which I, I know they've got to do, is inevitably going to see spikes, and you're just seeing things starting to exponentially grow again. So this idea, 30%, you know, 30%, I think by the time we get to October time, we're going to see them starting to pull back on that and trying to protect what we see as the essential. Sorry, I'm Sorry. not going to indulge in any uh, amateur epidemiology here. Moff, could you, get Jason, <laughs> could you get Jason Leach next time, please? <laughs> he's, he's, no, I, I prefer your expertise, to be honest. He's I think we've too, heard enough from him. He's far too overexposed. Huh? <laughs> right, uh, coming up next, players in, players out. Barry Wilson shaking it all about. For McDonald, I'm the castle, Inverness men, Weechies, Hustle, Jenny Heavers, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Judith, Steffi, Barlin Park, 
Right, what's the most exciting thing about a new season? The anticipation of biting into a pie and having the grease run down your chin, the smell of a beefy drink, the new strip that definitely, absolutely won't be one size too small when it arrives, or is it the new players? We asked Barry, who the hell is Scott Allardyce, and why is the time now right for the return of Super Shane Sutherland? You know, when, when Shane got released from Inverness, and I think everyone I've spoke to said that that was a mistake mm-hmm. uh, a way back. And, and it probably took him two or three years to, he'll probably admit himself, two or three years to really um, accept that, you know. Because um, I, I obviously, my brief spell manager Elgin, I, I, I had Shane as well. And, I mean, you could see the ability was, it's frightening. Um down at you know in that level he was he was far too good but sometimes the the application wasn't quite there mm. um and you know he's obviously moved to and from Peterhead and Elgin and now we've been we've been sort of following him for a while you know probably 18 months we've been kind of keeping an eye on him and he, he was flying and he got the bad injury mm. uh but he came back as good as ever, and we played them in a friendly towards the end of last season, and he was nearly unplayable. So I'm really excited. I really am excited. I think what Shane could would, could bring to us, um, you know, technically he'll score goals. Obviously, um, he's a strong runner. He likes to eliminate players, which is probably a dying art in the game. You know, having being that type of player myself, I get excited when I watch when I used to watch Shane get the ball and, and maybe cut in and, and shoot from the right hand side or so really excited about Shane, the lad D's. I think yeah, he was really looked a real player last year and I was really Yeah. Um I played with his uncle, funnily enough, but you know, he's a good composed player, left sided, so he kind of replaces Jamie McCart. And that side, so it gives us a good bit of balance there. You know, we allow, we now look like you said through the the spine of the team. When you if you've got Mark or and young Karen McKay did excellent last season as well when he came in. So we've got two good goalkeepers, and then you've got obviously we've got uh, you'll have Dee's Divine who's come come back in. Uh, good, great experience, solid, solid defender, and we've obviously got Brad and Lewis Toshney as well. So we've got. Four real good centre halves there. And then you go into the middle of the park, and you've got you know we've got Welsh and Carson and Vincent, and obviously the lad Allardyce, who a wee bit like yourself, I haven't seen too much of them. Yeah. Uh, but the clips that I've saw, I've been I've been impressed. Um, mm-hmm. Big strong lad. Mm-hmm. Um, good, good attributes, box to box, good strike of the ball. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your front boys. So I'm generally quite excited about it. I'm, I, I am. And, I think the manager would agree that we're probably needing one, possibly two more if we can. Uh, up front options, you would you know at the minute you've got Big Toddy, you've got Miles Story who can play up there, uh, right. and Shane can obviously play up there, and Rikitsi can play up there as well if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've obviously got Aaron, and then mm-hmm. we're hoping, obviously, like the young Dan McKay and Rodney McGregor, mm-hmm. um, will will kick on this year. You know, and really put pressure on these guys to start performing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's it's going to be a big year for the two of them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously the other, the other young lad, young Cameron Harper at left back, um, you know, we couldn't hold him back anymore. He's, he's champing at the bit to get going. Had a great little loan spell at Elgin when he was, they were raving about him. And we said, yeah, because he's, this guy is the real deal. Um, so big year for Cammy as well. How good is Cameron Harper? Because I think a lot of guys, I remember he came in a couple of times and he looked good, but then it's a hard position. To get. If you get someone at Carlo that's playing week in, week out, yeah. played well, it's hard to sort of prove yourself. So, yeah. Is it a season? Think he needs time or is it good to go? I, I, he'll be good to go. I'm 100% confident he will be... I, we've said it for a while and we've really got high hopes for him to, to go as far as he wants in the game. Um. And it was only, it was only, you know, Carlo's incredible consistency. You know, you expect him to be injured maybe a little bit more than than he was, and and it wasn't happening. And I could see Cami getting more frustrated. And Carlo had a had a great season last year. You know, he hardly missed a training session. Never mind a a game. You know, um, and even if he was struggling, he would he would battle through it. I mean, great attitude. Nothing but good words to say about Carlo. Really, do he was. Spot on, mm-hmm. um, but Cam will be ready to go, and he'll still have the you know him and maybe Kev McCarty will, will be vying for that left back place, mm-hmm. um, as well. So you know there's there's cover there because we youngsters they can rise and then they just take a little dip, and you maybe need to take them out for a few weeks and then back in again. Um, I think from a fan's perspective, Barry, I think there's a lot. I wouldn't say pressure because that's the wrong word, but I think the lot of expectation for the fans and Roddy McGregor this year because when he came in last season, showed glimpses what a player the boy is. I mean, he's small, but yeah, he get bigger, can't he? When you're bulking up, but boy looks a player. Yeah, definite player. Um, I think. I mean, he's he's one that I've obviously in the last couple of years we've, we've myself and Ryan have, have been watching him closely and training, and we've, you know, last year he obviously broke into the first team and he was. Nearly never present on the bench or starting last year, you know, and but he didn't he didn't score, and I think that was one thing that he needs to. I think the manager has said often that he needs to add to his game is his goals, um, but that'll come, that'll come. I'm sure it will. Is he a number ten? Is he a number eight? He's a ten. Um, he should be. He'll be putting pressure on Keatsy again this year. We Keatsy will be, but we keatsy has been great with him. You know, he's been. He's been working closely with him, and uh, you know it's been it's been brilliant to watch. So, yeah, they're you know Kami and Roddy, it's big seasons for them, like we said, and and the other one is obviously Dan Mackay, who was out on loan last year, sort of you know cutting his teeth he in. Injured, and, didn't he? So he bad injury, didn't he? So yeah, he had a, he had a bad he had a bad spell of injuries last year, Dan. Every time he just, he just looked as if he was coming good, coming strong. He'd get another little setback. Yeah. Um, but going to Elgin done him good. You know, yeah. that'll, that'll do him real good. And, and you know, I can see him putting pressure on, uh, you, know, you know, I'm saying putting pressure on, but it's the start of the season. It's up to him whether how you start the season. And, uh, you wow. know, the, you can make the place, you can make the starting place your own come, you know, come the, the start of the season if you have a good, uh, if you have some good friendlies, you know. Barry Waxon, lyrical there about a player he knows well, Shane Sutherland. His ability is frightening at that level. We played him in a friendly and he was nearly unplayable. And he like my favourite bit, he likes to eliminate players. The eliminator. Um, 
it's, do you remember him the first time round, Ross? What can fans expect now? Do we think? Um, well, it's been a, it's been seven years. I think uh, Barry and Rob will both need to settle a wee bit. Uh, the boy's about to turn thirty, and he's not played full time football for those seven years. Um, I'd I'd love it to work. You know, it's great he came through with us. He didn't make it. We were in. You know, we were riding high at the time. The fact he didn't make it for us in the Premier League at that time doesn't make him a bad player. Um, but it's been a long time away from full-time football. And more than, I mean, Barry's given us a good insight there in terms of the way he's seen him play in a friendly and really thinks he's ready to step on. That's really encouraging. Robbo in the papers last week was touting him for 15 goals. And I don't think, I mean, he scored 15 goals once in those seven years in League Two, but not come close in nearly every other season. So I think that's a wee bit ambitious. You must think that um, he's more of a natural goal scorer than White then, because remember when we had White on a few pods back, White said his target was 15 goals, and then Robbo, Robbo told him to not be so um, optimistic or something like that. It sounds like it sounds like Shane was on some run and then got injured just before lockdown, but he was he was on an incredible run. Um, but it's it's League Two, so we can't we don't know. Um, th- that part of the conversation, I know we'll probably move on to the kind of weaknesses of the squad, but that part of the conversation start to worry me in the sense that it sounds like we're going to settle with Shane Story and who's the other one? Todorov. Um And I think we were all kind of hoping to see a goal scorer come in or at least a target man. So the, the, Robbo saying Shane's you know, targeting 15 goals, is that hope or expectation? No, I think I think it's hope. I mean, great points, Ross. I think I, I when I when I spoke to Barry, I, I, I was I was going down the path of, as you said, I think we need another striker in there. I think we need a number nine. But speaking to James Keaton's over the summer on the pod that's to come out, Keaton's was a bit unhappy at where he was played last season. Now I sort of disagree. I see Keaton's as a number ten, but James himself sees himself as a striker. And he said his best season at Hearts was playing through the middle as a number nine. So Maybe there's a, a switch there where you maybe you've got a number nine there in Keaton's and we play him there, but maybe another option because I see I see him as a better option than playing story through them and also. That doesn't tie in with what Robo prefers, so he always likes a big man up top, doesn't yeah. he? So I don't see yeah. that. Yeah. He held the ball up well. He, he was he was yeah. good, and I can't see Shane doing that job as well. The other thing is, um, one thing that Barry said was that. Um, He's got frightening ability, but maybe the application wasn't quite there when he was younger. But actually, if you look at his subsequent career stats, as you said, Ross, they don't really bear that out. I mean, if there was a player, an ex-Cali Pistol player, whose stats did bear that out, it would be Roden Callister, who I think had a far higher kind of goals per game ratio and over a more consistent period than Shane Sutherland. So I'm not quite sure that... um, that really, you know, it might be in Barry's way of trying to sell him to us, and I hope he does really well, I hope he proves us wrong, but there's no evidence there to say that he was actually playing far below his natural level yeah. for the last seven years. I suppose, judging it on goal stats, we don't know how well he's been playing, because he's been wide, he's not been, I mean, Rory McCarthy yeah, yeah, an out-and-out yeah. out kind of poaching goal scorer, whereas, you know, Shane's playing wide, driving at people, and cutting in and shooting, yeah. and it's a different type of player. Um, I suppose one the one positive I'll take from this is that if we're not bringing in a target man, we're going to have to play different football. If we're, you know, if we're playing story, if we're playing maybe Keaton's through the middle, you imagine that Doran's maybe part of a three there and Shane's white. It's going to be more interesting football, you'd think. Yeah. True, but then um, you're saying we're not bringing in a target man, but um, the Wayne and Shuffle goal of the year um, <laughs> winner 
Nikolai uh, Todorov is still at the club. So is he not the target man? Again, just reading into the Robbo quotes, he's very much still on the bench. Robbo hopefully will get six or seven from him again, like last season, uh, you know, in the Challenge Cup. Right, well, just to finish off, finish off on the Shane Sutherland die, I like to think he's always had a return to, to Cali in sight, Cali Thistle in sight, and he's been yo-yoing between Elgin and Peterhead, Elgin and Peterhead, Elgin and Peterhead for the last 10 years in order to pick up the world's first football player whose career is a palindrome. Is it an actual palindrome? So Cali, uh, Elgin, so did he, who did he go to from us directly? He went yeah. Cali, Peterhead, Elgin, Peterhead, Peterhead Cali. Elgin. Is that, is that palindromic, guy? Yeah, palindrome. Yeah. Are we keeping this in? Well, it's been cut a bit. But <laughs> 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 there's some laughter. I'll put that laughter in. <laughs> right, Robbie Dees. Um, he's played 50 competitive games for Cowden Beef and Alloa. He's been Scotland under 17 and 19. Celtic youth, but he's never played for a professional football club. Um, he's a left-sided centre-half. I talked to an Alloa fan. Um, prior to this, um, who said that last season he turned into their best defender. Um, he's very composed on the ball. He takes it out of defence, can pick a pass, strong in 50-50s. Uh, and then when they're, interestingly enough, when their main centre-half, Andy Graham, got injured last season, he took it upon himself to be the main man at the back and he sort of organised a bit. Um, does that sound like a player that we need to away? Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm more excited about the setting that I've been for uh, about a sign that we've made for several seasons. Um, you've actually said a couple of things that I was going to say anyway. You know, but the fact that he's young, also the fact that his tra- trajectory in the lower leagues, you know, the experience he's gained, Cowdenbeef, then Aloha, who've been a very, very um, impressive part-time club in the same league as us, and then coming up to us, is, you know, really, really promising. Um, the closest sort of antecedent is this Jamie McCart, the second time round rather than the first time round. When we got McCart the first time round, he'd almost no experience. Second time round, he'd been, I think, at Alawa, he'd done pretty well. Um, and, you know, we've seen what he's gone on to do. So I think, um, I was also going to say that he's come through the best youth system in the country, but then I read about, um, or heard about Kim Tierney, you know, sort of experience recently, and I think maybe Selic isn't the best youth system in the country, but obviously they've got, you know, far more there that they can use to mould a player than we've got. So that's, presumably going to be a sort of benefit and I was also going to say that thing about uh, Andy Graham you know he will miss the experience that um, he had you know playing alongside Andy Graham who's an outstanding defender I think for a part-time footballer um, but as you said he apparently stepped up brilliantly when Andy Graham got injured you know so that's really encouraging as well you know so you're kind of hoping that he comes in stays fit um, learns what he needs still to learn of his craft really quickly and maybe actually steps up to be a dominant defender before County yeah. come in with like 200,000 in fucking January. He's going to have alongside him probably Toshni, who's not played a lot of football. Uh, He'd been injured an awful lot. Yeah, exactly. The most experienced centre-half I've got there is Danny Devine. So then you're probably thinking Robbo's thinking about partnering those two. Well, I think he would maybe have Toshni as his first choice. You know, ideally if he's going to stay fit. But um, we, we just don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. So it might well be Danny Devine, well, who I think this is going to Later. Uh, right, discuss Scott Allardyce I've got written down here <laughs> Not much to discuss 22 years old, central midfielder He started with Dundee United Before short loan spells at East Fife and Dumbarton And then he was made captain of Bohemians in Ireland last season uh, A replacement for Trafford Trafford is, Trafford is irreplaceable 
Um, I think Trafford's actually a lot. Tra- Trafford's a lot taller than uh, Allardyce. I think Allardyce is not even six foot. So I think Rob has um, been clear that he's a different type of player. That he's uh, he's a, he's more of a passer. He's not a kind of physical, yeah, uh, kind of shutter that 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 Tra- Trafford was or whatever the hell Trafford was. But also, again, in the Rob quotes, it looks like he's been signed as a squad player more than as a starter. I think it'll be. It'll be Welsh and Carson will be our first choice in the centre of the park. He's played uh, a bit of lower league, right? He's played in this league for Dundee United and he's also, well, and he's played, he was on loan at East Fife, I think. Yeah. Did all right. So he's not, he's, you know, he's not an unknown quantity in lower league Scottish football. All right, let's do something a little bit different for the next guy. Order, order. This court is in session to hear the case of one Daniel Gerard Devine, 27 years of age, place of birth Belfast. 68 appearances for Inverness, Caledonian Thistle during their most successful period. Since then, Mr. Devine has sunk into the den of iniquities that are East End and Fur Hill slums. This court will hear the case against Mr. Devine first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Can I just be clear that I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here? I'm not... Um... I, I, I don't quite share the absolute um, revulsion that some of the posters on Twitter, some of our more moderate fans on Twitter, have actually kind of uh, displayed in their reaction to the signing. Ricky Calder would have got a better, uh, seriously, would have got a better reaction, I think, on Twitter than... than You're uh, making the case uh, against Andrew, for Christ's sake. I know, I know, but still, I just I thought it was a wee bit over the top, you know. Um, but that actually, I mean, that's one of the first points. You know, if the guy comes in and he, we have a slow start, and he's a slow star, or, you know, balls are something up early on, then people will be on his back straight away, you know. So immediately, you know, you're thinking, right, that doesn't, you know, augur very well, you know. The other thing is as well, we've already talked about this with relation to these, we need an experienced leader type at the back, you know, hopefully to play alongside Robbie Dees, given that we think that Toshin is probably not going to be fit, and that Brad has been in and out of the team for like the last few years. He is not the leader type we're crying out for. I don't think I've ever really seen that. You know, um, he's error prone, so it appears. Um, you know, there were a few bad mistakes for us in 2015-16. Um, he didn't compete adequately for the ball against Peter Grant during the cup final. Um, then last season, you know, he wonderfully and clumsily gives away the penalty against us uh, as a Dunfermline player, which means we get the winning goal in the last five minutes or whatever. He wasn't particularly well regarded at Park and Dunfermline, and he was at Dunfermline for two seasons, both of which they finished below us. And he has said on resigning that defenders get better with age, but actually the stats don't really back up in his case, I don't think. And the last thing, and probably the most damaging in a way, is that he had... Gary Warren and Josh Meekings both stole the peak of their careers alongside him when he played for us. He won't have that this time. If he's coming into our defence and starting, he's going to be the senior defender. And there's no real evidence that he can actually carry that off. So that is my argument against him. Sorry, Dan. This court will hear the case for Mr. Devine. I, I I think the negativity around this signing stems from two, you know, there's two different factors. Uh, one is in being judged as a backup. You know, Andrew there suggested that he was kind of playing alongside Warren and Meekins. He was their backup. And when one of them got injured, he had to come in and take the place. Now, Warren and Meekins were our best ever central defensive partnership. Um, so, and that, that bears absolutely no relevance to what we are and where we are now. 
Um, yes, in, in those days, Danny Devine made our defence a lot weaker. Um, but almost any player in this team would have made that team weaker. So it's just it's just not a relevant comparison. And I think he's he's going to be damaged by, you know, uh, comparison with that team. He's realised, as so many others did and, and continue to do, that the grass isn't necessarily greener elsewhere. Come back to Inverness. So I think if you take if you take if you take all that away, take the signing on its own merits, um, and in the context of the difficulty that we have in signing experienced players, um, this is actually an excellent signing. In Danny Devine, we're talking about a vastly experienced centre half approaching the peak of his career. Um, he's he's just done five consecutive seasons where he's played regular first team football, three of them in the top flight, two of them in the championship. When have we ever ever signed a player? With that level of experience, you know, um, yeah, I, I think we're just extremely lucky that this guy is going out with a girl from Spare, some space side, <laughs> and we've got—I think we've probably got her to thank for that signing. Otherwise, we wouldn't be blessed with this gem of a defense. <laughs> some defense here, I mean, you could have got age OG off. <laughs> <and a half laughs> this this court has heard the case for, and it's heard the case against, and. Um, <laughs> <That's what laughs> <I'm saying. laughs> <laughs> Wait and see. You have to give a judgment now. I'll give a judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Case dismissed. Uh, this court awards damages of four pints uh, to, uh, against Mr. Young. Oh, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Language in the court. <laughs> right. Well done. First F word of the new season. For McDonald, Up the Castle, Inverness Men, Weegee's Hustle, Jenny Heaver, CCTV, PC's Pizzas, Tourist. Uh, right, we'll move on to the young boys. Uh, Harper, McGregor and Mackay um, talked about talked about highly by Barry. Um, he uses exact phrases to describe Harper that, that Scott Gardner did. Um, let, let's kick off with Harper. Ross? Um, the, well, I've not seen much of him because he's not played for us much. So we don't really know. I remember, I think, in our first podcast, I pointed out that I watched him in a friendly at Elgin. We played Aberdeen at Borough Briggs. Uh, yeah, they were around this time last year, and he looked out of all our young players to be the most <laughs> manly, the most adult, because there were a lot of them were very small, the boys that went to Fort William. Um, so uh, he looked very comfortable in with the first team, but we just didn't see enough minutes from him over the course of the season for us to know that he's um, going to be a suitable first team starter uh, by that age. And Barry and Robbo have talked him up a lot, and I would, you know, I'd really like to know then why. He didn't get more minutes. And I know Carl was consistent, but he didn't. I mean, Carl wasn't perfect last season. There was the odd game you could have taken him out. I think there was times he had niggles and he played on. And there was also, you know, cup games that, that Harper didn't play in. So it's a bit of a shame that he's coming into this with so few minutes behind him. But, you know, I'm all for another another Invernesian, another uh, youth, youth product coming into the side. And I really hope it works out. Um, Dan Mackay, his progression stalled last season. We've got a smaller squad this year, so presumably he'll have more opportunities. Th- this is this is Dan Mackay's this is Dan Mackay's chance to be a full time footballer now, isn't it? Sink or swim? Probably, yeah. I think he's a bit of a mystery. You know, um, people were quite excited about him when he came through. He scored a couple of goals. I think it was two seasons ago. And then obviously, and obviously there was a, the goal in the Challenge Cup final when, as, as Ross was mentioning earlier. Um, he was so absolutely overwhelmed just to have scored for the club he supported all his life, which is lovely. Um, he's the first to break through out of Harper, McGregor and, and himself, um, but arguably you could say he's one who's made the least impact. Um, on the other hand, it's a 
really, really hard position to make a big impact in, isn't it? You know, yeah. and we don't quite know yet. Is he? Is he a nine? Is he a ten? What is he? He doesn't necessarily suit Robles model for, for what he likes to play up front. He tends to play someone bigger. So does he play in behind? I, I just don't know. Um, I really, again, it's, it's like Ross was saying about uh, Harper. I want him to do really well. He's obviously got a bit of ability. I just don't know whether he's likely to um, do anything more than just come off the bench for cameos this season. Yeah, well, hopefully he, hopefully he can get his chances and, and he can take them. Um, Roddy McGregor. Big impact last season. I think he played 19 games. Fittest player Barry's ever seen, he said. And the Barry played with Roy McBain, so that's some comparison, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think I've got a lot of hopes for this boy. I mean, I think a couple of hours were at the game at Palmerston last season when he came on. Uh, season before last, actually, he came on and uh, nearly changed the game for us. And if it wasn't for uh, Nathan Austin missing a sit towards the end, we'd have nicked three points when we took a point. But I think the boy's he looks apart. He's... I'm not going to compare it to Christie, but he's got that sort of stature where he's good in the ball. He takes the ball on the feet. He can pick a pass. He's he's slight, but he can only get he can only get bigger and better. And I think uh, I think this is a season if if he's going to cement himself in the team, that's it's going to be this season. And uh, yeah, fancy him to kick on. Right. Well, we've we've obviously signed a, we've signed four players. Um, we think we need two or three more. Barry suggested we only need one or two more. Um, so potentially, you know, if we need a right back, we need a central midfielder, we need a winger, we need a striker. Uh, I've asked the boys before the recording today to go away and think about one realistic suggestion, two ridiculous suggestion, and three, what ex-ICT players might fit the bill for those positions. So we'll kick off with right back. I'll, 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 I'll start with right back because I was trolling the... Uh, as Robbo presumably has done as well, trawling the, the free agent databases and Google searches and that the last week. And I'll tell you something, there isn't any. I couldn't I've, got, I've got one, yeah, I've got a peach of a one. Like Who have you got, Riley Core? Who have you got? Right, okay, going down the, going down the, uh, the Robbie D's route and stuff of someone that's came through, had a good pedigree, solid right back, played the Champions League, Tony Ralston. Played at United and Rowan Johnston. What? Okay, well, let, 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 let's hear the argument, but I think the boy's a solid right back, along with Calvin Miller. On the left side, I think two great fullbacks. Um, again, probably hungry. Un- been mostly discarded by Celtic. It's a fifty-fifty gamble, but the boy's got the boy's got a lot of talent. So. Yeah, looking at his stats, he's got twenty-two appearances for St Johnston last season in the Premier League. Albeit he might have been the best right back. Yeah, no, my, my, it wasn't the argument. It's because he's still mine. Right, yeah. So we're, we're agreed. We're agreed. That was nice and quick. Very good. Um, any ridiculous suggestions for right back? Most totally. That's pretty ridiculous. Well, that's yeah. that's an ex ex type player you like to see. I've, I've got one. Um, he's available. He's foreign. Yeah. Listen, he's he's won a lot. He's actually won the Olympics. Pablo Zabaleta. What does what, what does every Olympian <laughs> want? What does every Olympian want to add to their stick alongside their uh, Olympic uh, gold medal? They want. The Tunnock's Wafer Cup medal to sit alongside it. Pablo Zabaleta. There you go. Uh, So we've gone for right back. We've got Tony Ralston, Pablo Zabaleta and Ross Tokley. Right. Central midfield. Anyone? Uh, Yep. Mick O'Bertonen, who is an Aberdeen player. Who was at our broth last season. Did really, really well. Finished there. Um, Apparently excellent. Um, So yeah, that would be my good passer of the ball, apparently. He went out out and loaned, didn't he, from... To our growth, and we know how good our growth were last season, so I think he would be an absolute stick on. But it's whether they actually want to want to put him out on loan again. Anthony McDonald is that ex ICT player to come back and loan. I know he 
know he's still contracted at Hearts, but I'd have him, have him back in a second. Here, here's a decent one. Stefan Skugel. I think he's just been released by Carlisle, uh, ex-Livingston, Sheffield I mean, United. He's how old is he? 27. He's only 27. 27 years old. That would be a decent signing for a lot of teams at our level and maybe below, depending on where he goes. Let's go to the wing. Uh, I, I've got a good one for the wing. I think he's, he's, not, he's not agreed to go to anyone yet, but he was with Alawa last season. Scott Banks, does anyone remember? Oh, yeah, cracking winger, attacking midfielder. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if they want to improve his, you know, keep his um, progression going, then mm-hmm. you know, go to Cali Thistle, playing higher up the league. Um, I don't know if he would come, come back last, to the On our last visit to the Rex, or whatever it's called, he looked head and shoulders above this league. Yeah, um, I don't think he's coming back to this. Yeah. I don't know where he's going, you know, but it's not a Scottish chance. Well, that's another another winger then. If you want to continue his progression, Declan Glass at Dundee United, who was at Cove last season. Yeah, he's been on the bench, I think, hasn't he? He's not been starting for them, but I suspect they'll want to keep him in the squad. So I don't know, but he's, he's a very good player. Well, those I are had, two. Um, sorry. Two people that are potentially available, potentially realistic. Anyone else got more realistic? Well, the other realistic I had was, although they're in the same leagues as now, so they not want might not want to go for it. But um, Ewan Henderson, not the Celtic Ewan Henderson, but the Hearts Ewan Henderson, who's uh, a decent player. He's sort of on the fringes. I've seen him a few times at various levels, and I think he would be a, a decent player for us. And obviously, someone that wants to push on a bit of an Anthony, Anthony McDonald type player. So. On realism, the loan market. Is not what it was. Five subs changes the picture altogether, doesn't it? That's a good um, point. Yeah, because you're more likely, you know, a couple of youngsters that you might have wanted to get those minutes. You need them on your bench because you might be able to bring them on to get those minutes in your own side. So Scott Garner said that. Process. Scott said that they'd, look, they'd looked at speaking to the old firm in terms of loan signings, but back in the day, Robbo was against it because you basically, I think I said to you, more off record was. When you, when you get them alone, if you don't play them, you've got to give a fee. Now, as you said, with the five subs now, there's more inclination now we've got room to bring them on because before you would basically be putting a loan player in your squad because you have to, rather than putting someone there that's basically deserved the part in the team. So with more subs next season, we might see teams like us signing more loan players. So it's a good point. Right. Uh, we want a striker. Um, anyone got any strikers? Anyone I'm get anybody what's seen the number nine shirt? Right, so uh, you've... So one, what one realistic one and one, I'd love to see him there. So the Simon Murray rumor doesn't go away. Um, from Dundee, knows Scott Gardner very well. Free agent, just come back from South Africa, would be amazing for us in the championship. Only twenty, I think he's twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Yeah. Used to burn, good goal scoring record, and we've looked at him. Um, but he'd be a dream signing for us. He'd be a perfect number nine. He's got that. Tell, me, tell me, this is happening, Stevie. Tell me it's happening now. Scott Garner listens to these pods, so Scott, you tell me, but he's 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 on the radar, so I mean probably now Hamilton will go and sign him now or St. Mirren or sign him and that'll fuck all this um pod up. But um yeah, he is if you look at where where we've signed players from in the last couple of months, they're often that Dundee Tayside area, right? There's a lot of a lot of contacts down there because our chairman and our CEO are from that area. Simon Murray is friends with both of them or knows both of them and would be a perfect signing for us. Mm-hmm. And I think every Cali Thistle fan would love him if we signed him. So, perfect number nine for me. I've got another, I've got another striker for you. Um, again, a Dundee link. Um, I wasn't aware of it actually, but yeah, he played for Dundee. And last season, he played for our Bros on loan from Hearts, and he scored three goals in five. And he's not going to get a game at Hearts. Craig Whiten. 
Ah, good shout. Good shout. Uh, so the thing is, do Hearts want to uh, give one of their strikers over to their biggest rivals for the league? You know, that could, I could steal the league for us, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going to do that. <laughs> but, um, Aberdeen, Aberdeen are acquiring a lot of forwards at the moment, having just got Watkins and Lowe and so on and so forth. So I wouldn't be surprised if one of Bruce Anderson, Scott Wright or Conor McLennan went out and moan again. Uh, okay, we'll do one more. Uh, just just a name. I'm just going to chuck the name out there and see what uh, reaction we get. Osman Sow. He's a flash the pan, mate. He is gone, no. Sorry, do you want a ridiculous one, right? Well, wait, no, know, you're Nathan Austin, that's a bad so is. He's got that Nathan Austin stature. Very one-footed, slow, lethargic. No, no, thank you. Right, well, we'll finish off with uh, Osman Sow because uh, if we're looking for a big striker who doesn't score a lot of goals, he's our man. Didn't do us any harm last season. Or it did. Where'd you want to drink? Well, 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 well. The Glen Alvin, the Thistolin, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Tavern, Cupcus Chaucer, Dyer's a Gallon, the City Bar, number 27, Phoenix Waters, Love to Love, Cake Exchange, and Mambo's Hush, Heepies, Jeepies, Johnny's, Riley's, Bergie's, Kilmore, Hoop, and Onnie's. I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. I think that was a song uh, written by a bloke talking about looking at his girlfriend's arse, but um, it applies to football players as well. Um, six players departed last season. Five of them are now playing in the Premier League. We love to watch them leave. We want them to, to do well, unless they're called Donaldson. Yeah, let's say we've lost what's that, six players to, to the Premier League. Now, yeah. it'll take them a little while. You know, they've been in the Championship for two or three seasons now, these players, so... It is a slightly different pace, and and you do see a lot of them. I think Charlie came off the bench the other day. I think Sean came off the bench the other day. Carlo right. as well, you know. Um, so they maybe you know just need to get up to speed, get their fitness up up to not so much, but their their match fitness up. I think that's why Carlo's maybe not started. You know, the, 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 young, the young lad Josh Reed's played, and I think Carlo's just needed to catch up with the with the fitness side, but. Yeah, I mean, I, listen. There's individually, there's very little between the the championship and the and the premiership. You know, it's it's the whole collective thing that, that where it comes in. Um, you know, we saw that when we've, you know, when we've been promoted and and playing. The, there's not much in it at all. Individually, for one, you know, if you take one player and put them in, they'll handle it fine. I've, I've no doubts about any of that. I'm sure. You know, they all did great for us. I mean, Sean Rooney improved unbelievably. Oh. From the player that that came here to the one that left was a was a different player, attitude wise, and I thought ability as well. I thought he was excellent for us last season, um, you know. And Colin Jamie were, you know, had begun to get a good understanding in, in the centre half before they left in January, um, and again Jordan, you know, the Gaffers took took Jordan in from lower league, sold him on to, and. You know, that's the one thing we've always said, and Gaffer will always say, is that you know we'll never stand in MD's way if they can go and play at a higher level. It's a short career, you know. They've they've got to do it, and and uh, these ones have been good examples of that, you know. And so, it, it, in a way, it's, it benefits the club because you get players like um, a Robbie Dees who maybe go well. Look, I can take a step back, but then. You know, mm-hmm. they, they won't hinder your, your progress and you'll also learn, because if you don't learn from, from the manager, then you're struggling because he's, he's so knowledgeable. Right. Um, 
you know, and, and like I said, he's he's done it with so many players, it's no fluke. Is that a wee bit, I mean, I think, ge- I think geographically this probably helped him move to the club I'm going to talk about, but is that a wee fr- bit of frustration seeing Tom Walsh move to here? I know he's from Kilmarnock, you're down that way, but... Yeah, you know. I had a lot of time for Walsh here, I thought, you know, again, as much as two-footed a player as I've... I've uh, probably seen. I, in I, fact, did, I don't know what he played with. I can tell you his best foot. That's how good he was, yeah. I was... Funny story about Walshie was I was taking the team just after I, I joined and we were playing Bucky and I think we beat them 7 or 8 now and Walshie was playing that day and it was, it was generally the young boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were... The young boys were incredible but Walshie was incredible. He took a, he took a penalty uh, with his left foot and then he scored two with his right foot. And generally, it was about weeks before I realised what was his stronger foot. And I'm saying, oh, can you whip them in from the right-hand side or left-hand side? He says, I'm, I'm right-footed. So I'm just, he, he lost me because it was just the same. You know, you could tell, you know, I used to swing it with my left foot or whatever, but he's just, oh, just naturally two-footed. So that was disappointing for me because, he, he, you know, while she kind of, hinted that he would like to go and try and play in the Premier League and, and again we understood that you know uh, so it was a wee bit disappointing to, to lose him to probably one of our playoff rivals they'll gain from that I'm, no doubt that's a great signing for Rare but for Tom it's a little bit it's disappointing wish him well but disappointing that he's that he's went to here no I agree and again probably an easy question right but again you never know so of the players that left who would you like to see stay? Apart from saying all of them, but as any boys, maybe Walsh, you sort of lived in there, but any boys have let go or were sold that were thought, you know what, I'd rather have them in the squad this season? Well, out of them all, at the minute, at the minute, I would say Sean Rooney. Because we haven't, mm-hmm. we haven't really, you know, listen, Brad can play right back, Lewis Toshney can play right back, but the yeah. number one, they, you know, they can't, but they prefer centre-half. Um, but that engine, that, the, the, the engine that Sean gave us down the right hand side was was incredible last year. The season that Sean had, the, the improvement that he that he made um, on the mental side of the game and the actual technical side of the game was immense, and and we'll definitely miss. And he scored a few goals from set pieces as well. So, so Barry Wilson is uh, also a fully paid up member of the Sean Rooney fan club. Um, the improvement he made on the mental side of the game, he certainly was mental. Uh, he's had an injury this season, um, so he had, he's had to wait to make his debut. I think it was against Rangers, so he'll have, he'll have enjoyed that one, Ross, won't he? Barry said we've lost six, but the right back is the biggest miss. And I think we can probably all feel that looking at the squad, not just looking back at Sean's brilliant season that he had, but also the fact that there's just this huge hole in the squad and we're wondering who's going to fill it. Um, and it looks like it's going to be Brad Mackay. Um, who's played there before? So that's cool. I'm cool with that. Um, but yeah, that's given the season he had, given the difficulty we've obviously had replacing him, that's, that's going to be the biggest miss. One thing actually that I noticed that you said about him was the way that Sean Rooney showed kind of mental progress the way he kind of developed and that's something that I think you can't ever kind of bank on in a player can you you know what I mean a player that might come in and you know they've had maybe a slightly bad time they might be a bit of a gamble 
but then they kind of get stronger and stronger mentally and they've got that determination. I think that's something, you know, whoever we get in or whoever plays there, you know, we're not going to have that, you know. So that, that can struck me as, as something that we're losing as well, kind of a strength of character as well, so that a very, very, you know, very effective player for us. I think the character's a good point, Andrew, because, I mean, yeah, Barry said it, and for, it took for a lot of off-field stuff last season to happen to Sean, and uh, you would never wish that on anyone, but the strength of character come back. He turned himself into a guy, and I think he wouldn't, he'd agree with me, was bang average the first season, but he became a cult hero, and we've always had cult heroes at Inverness. We've always had your Ross Totley, your Bobby Manns, these sort of guys that I think as much we're missing my player, I think from the stands, we'll miss having that player that we can sort of relate to. I mean, Moff and I got a selfie with the guy at air, and um, yeah, he just, he just he loved being here and stuff, and I think for the dressing room, I think he's a big miss, so hopefully we can... I'm going, to make, I'm going to make a prediction. I don't think we're going to have to miss him for too long. I'm going to make two predictions. The first one is that we don't sign a right-back. I don't think We're not going to sign anyone. If we do, it'll, like say, it'll be for Buttons or it'll be a young player. He's not getting a game uh, at St Johnston. The game where he did, I think, start or came on, he gave away a goal. It's his fault. And he hasn't been in the team since. I think he'll come back to us on loan in January or before. We want to see Rui do well, but one player we don't want to see do well is Tom Walsh. That's that's a weird one. <laughs> Barry Wilson was talking about Walshie there, like you know, his hamster had just died. He was he was crestfallen. Uh, who, who wants to take that one? I'll take that. I felt I, I when that signing was announced, I, I know the feeling that Barry was describing there because you had a hamster. Uh, I'm, I'm not big on hamsters. My sister had a hamster and it ate. It's, it had babies and then ate them. Oh my god! So Tom Walsh left. We'd heard already from Gardner in the pod that. He wanted to go back down to that part of the world. And you just think, you wish him well, he'll go to Kilmarnock, he'll go to one of the Lanarkshire clubs. You know, he deserves that chance. So we just kind of assumed that's how it would go. And then to see him wind up at air is really painful. And I tell you, it would be more painful if he stays bloody fit all season, um, which is the one thing that's been missing from him with us, is, you know, being able to stay fit for the entire season. Um, he won. He's finished, right? I was looking at his stats, right? See that first season, right? He was shy until he scored against Partick that time. I was actually saying to Moff at the ground, this guy's got no end product, he's a dud, right? Then he goes and sticks that in. That's a really good run, right? Okay, fine. He gets 10 goals from 43 that season. Last season, even though we were kind of going on about how good he was, he only got three from 25 and he got injured. So I think he's already on the yeah. way down. Yeah, he's on the way down. He's on the way down. Right, uh, a guy who's not on the way down, he's on the way up, um, but he does need a bit of luck. Jordan White, he scored twice uh, this season for Motherwell. One of them was a volley from the edge of the box and both of them have been ruled out. Um, I think I'm watching a game and Donaldson's actually pushed him in the back one week for a penalty from Motherwell right. uh, for them to get something out of the game. Who wants to take Jordan? I'll take that one. I think. I, I mean, I think he's the under's move. I mean, he, he's never going to be a prolific goal scorer. I think we miss his work rate up front. He did, he did a lot of stuff off the ball and stuff. There's a lot of... I don't think Jordan White ever sort of got everyone inside in the ICT support, but... He's he's an honest player. He's, he's, I don't think he's going to set the world on fire at Motherwell, but we won't miss him more than we'll miss a Sean Rooney, for example. I think. I, I, I felt a bit. I felt a bit sorry for him when he, he started in the in the a game the other week, and Motherwell got beaten by Hamilton. And after the game, Robinson threw a lot of them under the bus, and he said he needs players and forwards that are going to um, throw themselves at the ball, throw themselves into the box, you know, take these chances and that. Jordan gives absolutely. We gave absolutely everything for us. Yep. Link up play. I've seen him play for other ones. Link up play has been excellent as it was for us. But he isn't a player that's going to get you, you know, 
loads and loads and loads of goals. He might get you 10 goals, but he's not a sort of player. He's more a back-to-goal player. So I think it was, I think slightly, I think it was slightly, slightly disingenuous of a manager to sign a player knowing what he's like and then throw him under the bus a bit and then drop him for the next game. Jordan White won me over, but he's got a damn cheek score on a volley from the edge of the box. <laughs> <I'll tell you. laughs> right, um, Carlo, uh, he wasn't really getting a game because the young lad playing at left-back county, but he's putting a cross that led to their equaliser just... Uh, weekend passed, and then if you watch the highlights, all the all the players are celebrating in the corner, of, and then in the corner of the screen, he just trots trots back to position. Love that. I noticed that. He'd rather be I let the boys jump in here. I won't take Carlo, but I think Carlo makes no. He doesn't. He doesn't hide the fact that he didn't know what leave was right. He, he he's went there because geographically, the boys got to make a living and stuff, and I, I don't hold that against them. I think we could have got one more season out of them, but. He earned a lot of money at us, and if, if it's a case of us cutting costs to keep the club afloat for next season, I get the club's perspective, but yeah, listen, I wish Carlo all the best. I know he's playing for them, but yeah, an absolute yeah. lifting for us. I think it's, it's a leadership thing, do you know what I mean? It's a yeah. presence on the park. I think it's really, really important. I'm kind of looking at that and thinking, where is that coming from? You know, if Welsh is fit, then he might provide it. David Carson might provide it, but is he even an automatic starter, or has he got enough kind of respect and presence among the rest of the group to do that, you know? And then you look at the rest yeah. of it, James Vincent's quiet. Doran is an experienced player, but he's quiet. Brad he may be captain as well, which is a little worry because I don't think he's a verbal captain. That, no, exactly, yeah. Brad McKay doesn't strike me as leader. Divine never struck me as leader. You can imagine Keatings and Story being absolutely beaten-faced bastards, but they don't strike me as kind of leaders. They'd be more kind of like, you know, so... I don't know about Toshney, and so I think we're going to miss that. You know, that's a, it's a really good point, Andrew, and it's something we're going to pick up on later. But we'll just talk about it now while we're just while we're talking about it. Um, captain, I mean, I think some people think that because Doran was vice captain, he's automatically going to be captain. He isn't a loud guy in the pitch, but apparently, you know, he's he's a fairly popular guy in the dressing room. But as you say, you know, let's look at it from a fan's perspective because that's what we are. You want some, you want a Gary Warren, you know, you want a you want a leader like that, and. I, like, we don't have too many of them. I think the options are basically Doran, if you're just going to have you know natural succession, Ridgers, or or Welsh. I think it's that's Welsh. it. It's Welsh. Welsh. I like both people in most though. I, I I think Ridgers is a good shout because he's Robbo's guy. He's known him for a long time. I think you're a bit. You're, you're up against it if you're having a goalkeeper who needs to be verbal for the rest of the team. There's, there's a lot of goalkeepers that are captains. It seems to be quite an in vogue thing at the moment for a captain. But, but I think the team, though, I think you look at Neuer at Bayern, he's got a lot of influential guys in front of him. I think you need to, if you want to be a captain as a goalkeeper, you need to have that verbal presence in the middle of the park as well. And we don't, I mean. True. Having said that, I agree with you, Moff. I mean, Moff, you obviously do a lot of coaching. We have got probably our most inexperienced. Um, the most experienced part, inexperienced part of our team is going to be the central defence. We're going to have these and A and other, right? So do you think it would make sense to have a captain as a goalkeeper because the biggest part of their organisation would be the players directly in front of them? And could they still drive the rest of the team forward? Does that make sense? I think 100%. I think there's, I think there's you know, you're, ha- you're, you're hamstrung by what options you've got and it, it doesn't have options for a captain because we've lost that experience. Richards is an easy pick for captain for me, being an Indonesian, being the most experienced, and like you say, not having that huge amount of experience because Devine's not going to be captain. Toshney's injured too much. Welsh is injured too much. If, he, if Welsh is captain, Welsh will end up being club captain, and then it'll just be de facto Doran's captain every week. Captain's guys is all about who, who gets the most respect in the change rooms, and 
I get it. Doran's a quiet guy, and, and after doing a best love with him, which will be out, I was impressed with the way Doran spoke, though, to be honest, because I always had this assumption that Doran was pretty quiet. But Doran's been with us 10 years now, right? He's, he's, he's a matured guy. He might be well-respected in the change rooms that, again, reflect how we go in the park. We're assuming that whoever's going to be the loudest and the most commanding is going to be the captain, but it might not be that way. Might be whoever's... Why shouldn't it be that way? Who's the most successful captain? Who's the most successful captain in Scottish football? Aye, it could be 50-50, but again, some players might retract from doing their job if someone's shouting at them. A Scott Brown, for example. Possibly, but do you not think a role, part of the role of a captain is not just to be able to, not just talking to people, but actually that sort of sense of physical presence and drive on the pitch? That's you know? the most important. That is the most yeah. important. Well, Carlo got that. Carlo, Carlo the respect. I think, I think Carlo won respect to the team because of his work ethic, work ethic, right? But Doran might be ripping up and training every day and he might have that respect that we don't know about, but... He's definitely got. He's, no, he's definitely got the respect. He's got the respect of everybody. He's got the respect of us. He's got the respect of everybody in the fat in the stands. He's got the respect to the manager. What we're just saying is, boil it down to brass tacks. Doesn't appear to talk as much on the part. But I don't think Gary Warren was a very verbal captain, but he commanded respect. For me, Sean Welsh would be my captain. Right, it looks quiet, but I think as a player, you probably respect him. If he was my co-worker, I'd go. That boy knows what he's doing. I respect him. In trying to say it for about ten minutes, Sean. Welsh. <laughs> Sean Welsh is going to be our captain. If he's fit, I agree with you. I think that's a good shout. But I mean, Sean Welsh went into the captaincy kind of profile. You know, Tremarco was captain, um, Doran was vice captain, and and then it was Sean Welsh in his first season with the club. So, so Robbo, Robbo, you know, without him having any background with the club, Robbo put him there because he obviously saw him as a captain. He's a leader. I think he's a leader more in the way that he plays and that, that things will go through him. I know, I know this, is all, this is all pinned on the idea of him being fit for a season, but um, he, he, he will be the guy that everything goes through if he's fit and he will be the captain. I really think that. All right, well, I, think, well, I think the injury thing is a massive thing. You know, um, you effectively have Welsh as your de facto captain, but then he might play three games or something like that. So who's next? You know, well, we could we could talk about this all night, but I think we've talked about it enough. So we were talking about players that have left. We, there's one player that we haven't mentioned, and um, I'm I'm just going to have the you can have a little break for about forty seconds while I go through this. Um, a Hamilton fan in the summer was he was looking for some information on Charlie Trafford, so the thing he was writing. So I wrote something and I sent it to him and, and sadly it was unused. So I thought I would recite it for you. Imagine, if you will, the beauty of nature that is the birth of something new, something beautiful. In that regard, the signing of a new player for your team is much like the birth of a wondrous new creature. The wide-eyed hopes and aspirations you have for that player, the expectation that this will be the sign that propels your club forward as he majestically gallops onto the field of play. Charlie Trafford is not that player. Charlie Trafford is the newly born fawn who spews onto the pitch in a torrent of afterbirth and flails about for 90 minutes. You can either take him into the backyard and put him out of his misery, or like John Robertson, you can coach him to within an inch of his life for three years in the hope you'll get a player out of him. It is possible, but by Christ, it's hard work. Charlie Trafford. I do, like, he did improve I can't in the believe last, they didn't use that. He did improve in the last two seasons. I'll give him that. So. Right, so um, I was originally going to call this pod Back to the Future because I was going to have, you know, that bit at the start about time travellers and uh, then I was going to have lots of Back to the Future jokes. 
but I didn't. Uh, so what are about? <laughs> so instead, I thought we'd probably we'd probably end up calling it um, Barry Wilson and the Speculation Society. Uh, so anyway, here's a Back to the Future joke that stayed in. It's your kids, Marty. Something's got to be done about your kids. Which is, ex- which is incidentally exactly what Ross Morrison's been saying. Um, the Youth Academy, it's been saved. 90, 90% of parents are donating the requisite money a month. The chairman's been approached by one businessman who's said that he's prepared to donate a five-figure sum. A number of other business people have similarly indicated they're willing to look at financial contributions to the Academy. But what's Barry Wilson's thoughts? A brilliant response for the, for the parents. Uh, you know, so it is important. Um, you know, we we have we do rely on, you know, we, you know, as you see in recent years, the, the three or four boys that are breaking through this year, hopefully, you know, what they what they've managed to do, and then players in the past as well. You know, there's not hundreds of them, but there are there has been many cases of obviously producing their own, mm-hmm. and it's, I think it's just important to, for the club to be there, showing to be trying to do it properly. You know, the, the huge aspect this year is obviously going to be in the first team. You know, after everything that's been going on, COVID and stuff like that, the, you know, the, the bulk of our of our uh, focus will be, has to be on the first team, yeah. without a doubt. But there's still, you know, a lot of work behind that goes on for the academy. And, uh, you know, Charlie and, and Ross, and we've still, uh, once we get finalise what's happening, when they're playing and stuff like that, you know, but as I said, it's, I thought it was a great, great response for the, for the parents and mm-hmm. I said, hopefully everything can go smoothly and we can, and we can uh, continue where they left off because like I said, the lads before myself's time that produced that under-18s team was, uh, you know, that was a kind of a freak. If you're going to get three or four through, you know, it's, uh, that is, that is real good stuff. No, I agree. So we spoke about before. I was saying, I'm glad you said it. I called them the Fort William boys as well because that's what they were referred to last season. And yeah. I think I, I, I went up to I think we played Clark away at the start of last season. Boy Ryan Fife was playing at the back, and I thought a really good player. But obviously, the likes of him, Gabriel Hastings, Harry Nicholson, Jack Brown, we let them go. Spoke to Scott Gardner about this. Do you see uh, maybe a possibility of them boys to maybe coming back in now that we're not in the Premier League? Is there scope to bring them back in, or are you just? Letting them go and doing their own thing and wishing them best. I, no, I, I still think I still think there's, there's there's a chance that one or two might get uh, brought back in. The manager's focus first and foremost um, because of the financial restraints, you know, has been so so strong. Is it first and foremost he needs to get players on the pitch. So once he, you know, and I think once once he got once he gets his first team squad, do we now have can we still afford have to get a, bring a couple of these boys back? And hopefully we do, you know, because there is, you know, the like the boys you mentioned there, like Ryan Five, Harry Nicholson, Jack Brown, um, Ross Gunn was another one, obviously as well, who was who who did great, you know. Um, we would have loved to have kept them all on, but unfortunately due to due to COVID and. Just about solely due to COVID, it has to be said that you know because these were the ones that we were were really looking at. But horrible term, but these unprecedented times, you know, there's, there's been you know we've wanted to offer players contracts, but we've had to hold back on it. And so hopefully, 
let's say maybe in the next month or so, we might be able to retrace our steps and, and get one or two of them back in if we can. Barry Singh there, we'd like to retrace our steps and, and get one or two of them back if we can. Um, sounds, sounds from Barry that he would like to take some of the young boys back in to supplement the squad. Is that going to happen, Riley? Any you'd like to see back? Jack Brown can score a goal. Goal, you, you asked him about Ryan Fife, I think. I've, oh, thanks, thanks for mentioning Ryan Fife. I mean, I went, I went up to the Clark game last um, pre-season and uh, we said we need a right back. I thought the boy, he played right back that day. He was... Superb, looked a big boy for his age. Um, yeah, played well. So I great, could pick a pass, could defend well. Confidence about a boy, and uh, yeah, between him and I've not seen him live, but the boy Mark McKinnon, who was a goalkeeper, I went to football last season. Well, accounts for a good season, and uh, if we get one or two of those boys back, I'd be um, yeah, I'd be delighted. Well, they, they, he said he talked about it's important that the club is there, as in having a youth academy, showing that they're trying to do it properly. Um, Ross, you, you said before that you're not that bothered about the academy, about bringing through youth players. You'd rather a club focused on the first team and remaining finan- financially solvent. Is that still the case? I do not remember saying that. Oh, I'm, you sure said I said, I'm sure I said something <laughs> far, far, far more nuanced than you. You took it apart and came up with this kind of tabloid headline, Ross. Oh, wow. Imagine doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, no, I think the the context of that conversation was, you know, we were in dire straits. We were having to cancel uh, Project Brave to to save the club. And I I think probably what I said was along the lines of, well, if it's the survival of the club that's at stake here, then then we have to to go ahead with it. But I absolutely agree with what Barry's saying there. It's massively important. If we're growing the club rather than saving the club to... um, to engage with, uh, to have a youth system and to engage with the youth of the town as much as we possibly can. I think uh, there's a couple of players we've not mentioned, three actually, that are still in our squad list, um, youngsters um, who didn't go to Fort William. Um, one is Shane Harkness, um, whose mum was in school with me, who's uh, and Christ, to show your age, man. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to pretend that we're actually younger than we are, so the young folk listening think we're current. Shout out to Cheryl Harkness from Cradle Hall <laughs> Primary School. I remember you, Cheryl. Um, That's pretty creepy, mate. And her brother Jamie, who was a really, her brother Jamie, who was in our youth system at the time, who was a really natural goal scorer. And Shane is a natural goal scorer through the youth systems. His stats are outrageous. So he's still in the squad. Lewis Hyde and Martin McKinnon are both still in our squad as we well. We don't actually bring that many players through, though. So. Uh, when Barry talks about it's important that the club is there, as in it's important that we've got a youth system, AY, is this not just a really, really expensive way of both populating Fort Williams' first team and engaging with the community? The idea that we don't bring them through, I think, is a bit of a misnomer. I mean, we don't kind of... Well, Barry, Barry said himself, you know, we've not brought through hundreds. You know, we've not even... Yeah, but which teams. clubs do? Which clubs do? Hamilton do. You know, but not that many do. You know, do you know um, we have Falkirk did, and they scrapped their system. But I think I think it's all, yeah. it's, all so it's all I think it's all there's all periods of time, and I think mm. you were you're both right. I think we had a little stage where maybe two or three players that came through. Falkirk had those five or six players. Hamilton had those two sort of prominent players, but it's it's all it's, it's never never constantly every season. So I no. agree Hamilton, Hamilton, to be fair, have done it more consistently. They, they've got a real kind of magic wand about that sort of stuff. But very, very few other clubs, I think, you can point to and say they do it consistently. Hibs obviously did for a while, but they seem to be doing it less successfully now. 
Um, but, you know, we've got a few this season. I mean, I think Charlie said in one of the earlier podcasts that he thinks this group with Roddy McGregor, Cameron Harper and that might actually end up being pretty good. The other thing you've got to realise, of course, is that um, the kind of flux in the squad, the fact we've gone down and we've changed, we've had to keep replacing players all the time, doesn't really help. I mean, some people might assume that because a squad is changing all the time, it allows young players to come through and state their claim. But the flip side of that is that players will tend to do best and develop best when they've got experience in the squad around them. They've got consistency and they can actually be brought through. You know, Christy obviously come talked about um, Tansy and Warren and people like that, bringing them through. Liam Polworth probably had the same sort of situation as well. So it is kind of difficult like that. Um, the five subs thing kind of might help as well this season, yeah. you know, if we were kind of keeping players, young players on the bench and that sort of stuff. And we're almost forced into playing a younger team. And if we see this season as a season of consolidation, because I don't think we're going to go up, then I think that the, the academy could absolutely be crucial and, you know, not something just be discarded, you know. The link to the community is a bonus, you know, but it's also potentially your future, you know, and your financial future. OK, well, these boys we've got this season, they're young, but they're not as young as the new season, which isn't even fully developed. And it's starting in October and we're talking about it next. Okay, season 2021 is almost upon us. Uh, none or fewer supporters, less games, kicking off in the October rain. It's the much-anticipated Lego set he wanted for Christmas, but the wee guys uh, are missing their heads and there's no wheels for the little car. And we've got to go to Hearts Lego Stadium twice. What's Barry got to say about it? Listen, we, we, would, love to, we would love to put Hearts under pressure from the word go. You know, and I think if you're going to do it, you would need a real good start, you know, winning first three or four games and really getting the momentum from the from the off. Mm-hmm. Um, the size of their squad just makes it so hard. You know, a couple of injuries would affect two or three injuries would affect any team in the league. I don't know if two or three injuries affects Hearts, and that might probably will probably be the difference. And I mean, you look at the quality that they've. Look at the, who they're bringing in and who's remaining. You know they've they've got unbelievable players there, really, for for the level that they're going to be playing at this year. Mm-hmm. So they should be right up there. Now it's, it's up to us, because um, even last year, if you look at the difference between us and Dundee United last year, was the games we played against each other. Mm-hmm. Had we taken our fair share of the points against United, yeah. it would have been a lot lot closer. Mm-hmm. So that's. That was the disappointing aspect for for us as coaches. We realised against the rest of the teams, we're as good a record as Dundee United. It was those those uh, head-to-head games that we that we fell a little bit short for one reason or another. Not always because they were the better side. I suppose you need to put your coach's head on here because you watch the club, but you're going to see everyone. But who's going to be our most important players this season? And who's who's in maybe two or three players that you think I'm going to hang my hat on here and uh, they're going to take the promised land. Okay. Um, well, like you say, I could sit in the fence and say it's a team game and stuff like that, but it's never really been my style, Steve. Good man, good um, man. I, I, listen, I, I generally still I thought, you know, last year Mark Ridgers was, had an incredible season in golf. Uh, right. And I think, you, I think you need that from your goalkeeper. 
you know, you look at you look at Champions League final last night. Didn't have much to do, but you know, nil nil. Neuer made some big saves, a couple of big saves. You know, that's so important. You know, so you 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 need you need Mark to have a a similar season for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the team were, were we do look pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. I would I hope that we can keep Keatsy fitter, maybe a little bit fitter. You know, he was struggling a wee bit a couple of times with injury last year. Of mm-hmm. uh, technically really really good. I mean, he set pieces as good as I've ever seen anyone hit. You know, free kick corners just ridiculous. So he could be a big. You know, hopefully he's a big player for us. We've spoken with the young boys. And another one I think it could probably give us more, and I think he will, is Miles Story. I really do. I think his pace, if we can utilise that properly, is a massive, massive weapon for us. Um, so he's, he's one that I really hope kind of, you know, digs in and, and really produces for us. Because when he's in his game, he's nearly unplayable. You know, it might be that he might play a little bit more up front this year. You know, mm-hmm. Because of you know we haven't replaced Jordan as such, um, and if that's the case with his pace and what tends to happen, if you, if you play someone really really quick up front, the other team drops off mm-hmm. because they don't want to get hurt in behind. So then yeah. that then creates space for the likes of Keatons or Sutherland or McGregor to then mm-hmm. go and play. So it's a it can be a win win for us. Um, and if they do push up, then great, you know, because as I said, his, his pace is just it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So, listen, I'm, re- I'm really, really looking forward to it, probably because we've been out for so long, but uh, I think we do have a good squad. And mm-hmm. like I said, hopefully, I think the manager's maybe going to try and add one, possibly two more. So, um, can we push Hearts in the three head-to-head games? We've obviously got two at Tyne Castle, which, which weighs in their favour. Um, but, as I said, realistically, you would, I think, probably all but the most die-hard fan would say that, yeah, they would expect Hearts to win the league. Right, so which die-hard is going to tip us to win the league? I'm not going to tip us to win the league, but I'm not going to sit down and accept the idea that uh, we should expect Hearts to win the league. Um, it's a 27-game season. That's a unique thing. Um, a, a big team comes down, often comes down with downward momentum. Um, they've got all sorts of chips on their shoulder. They'll have players on too much money. They've got players who are injury plagued. You know, there's lots to there's lots of hope in this heart squad. I would say to say that if we start well, Barry said if we win our first five six games, well, no, if that's going to happen, I would say if we can be ahead of them by the time we go to Tiny on the fourth game, there's there's lots to hope for. I absolutely don't want to go into this season thinking uh, playoffs is our best our best hope. No, it's a unique season and and we should we should be our number one aim should be to win the league. I think I think if if they lose or maybe drop a couple of points the first couple of games, their fans will have this Rangers mentality, this siege mentality where they've been obviously shunned against. And if they don't pick up the maximum points in the first two or three games, they'll be on their backs and that could play into our hands as well. And yeah, it's uh, I agree with I agree with Ross. I don't think it's a given that they'll throw the league because but, Yeah teams haven't that league. That's, that's a brilliant point, Riley, because if we can get something out of the first Hearts game and then, you know, they maybe have a bit of downward momentum, we can get something at the second Hearts game, you know, you're actually looking at us, you know, if things go 
right? If they went, so basically, I'm judging not if we have a similar season from last season. We're actually looking at not being far away from where we are last year, if not better, given that it's only 27 games. But the key thing that Barry picked up on EY was the difference between us and Dundee United last season was the games that we played against each other. And he said that was disappointing for them as coaches because, you know, we didn't win any of them. If you look at the points gap and given the fact that United actually were starting to shed points all over the place in the running, the difference was they were consistent. They scored a lot and they had a goal scorer that was playing miles out of um, that league. We didn't have anyone like that. But United were consistently better all the way through the season. Yeah, so I, no, I, I don't think it was the games against them. Uh, it'd be a bros when we played a bros many times. It'd be, it'd be a lot closer yeah. as well. That's, well, that's the, the thing you're talking about. There's, there's so many other games to come in, right? Like, yeah. realistically, you're not going to beat them, right? So say, say we'd won two and they'd won two, four games. Um, this, the gap would still would have been huge. If we're going to be competitive against a superior team, a team with 10 times our budget, as Robert was saying this week, then we're going to have to be really stodgy and difficult to break down. And we weren't that against Dundee United last season. I think we tightened up as the games went on, Ross. I get your point. See, the first game against United, we were so exposed. I mean, Christ, there was goals coming from left, right and centre. We did tighten up towards the end of the season, but back to Andrew's point, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a team that was paying players far out with this league's capabilities and did a goal scorer that no one else could touch. So, yeah, I think it's other, other games against Abros and stuff that killed us, not the, not the United games, to be honest. Well, Barry talks about, you know, Riley, you went and uh, got him off the fence and you got him to mention who you thought the key players were going to be next season. Uh, I, I thought that was really interesting myself, I've got to say. Um, you know, Mark Ridgers, he mentioned him, he said he used to have a similar season um, Bridgers, you know, started off a sticky start with us when we started off in this league, um, but he's he's best keeper in the league now. He's best goalkeeper in the league last season. Him and Paddy at Alloa, um, so there's a very good chance of that. This is a guy that could be the match winner or a guy that's going to get us points against Hearts, isn't it? Really? Well, don't mention Neil Parry because we're not friends. Neil Parry, and, and I've never wanted to hear Neil Parry's name mentioned in this pod. <laughs> Absolute waste of space, but um, he's good for banter. He's number one, but he's number one in the team sheet for me. I think the boy's a, a great goalkeeper. He's a yeah. local boy, he knows what it means to play for Inverness. He loves playing for his. He's commanding and I agree with him, mate. I don't think there's a there's a better goalkeeper in the league. And please don't see no party in this podcast again because that is sacrilege. And he also mentioned another player uh, that we've talked about, you know, so often last season. I mean, we were so excited when he signed for us. Uh, he just, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't really hit the ground running. He didn't really have a big run of games where he where he did what he showed what he could do but he did it and did it in sort of fleeting glimpses in games. James Keatings. Um Barry says, Ross, that we hope uh, we can keep Keatings fitter. He's had a big layoff now uh, with this with the lockdown and the pandemic. Is that a bonus for a guy who's had so many injuries or do you think that's a hindrance? I think it's a bonus and I think that you know when Sean Welsh certainly felt that was a bonus for him you'd hope it's a bonus for Lewis Toshney. Those are three players that we've got who've been played by injury and who maybe have, you know, rushed to come back too soon and that's exacerbated things. So a break of this length, you'd think, given that the normal breaks in a football season have worked against those guys over the years, you'd, you'd like to think this might be the turning point in their careers. Keating's even, even with picking up those injuries, was still a really important player. His stats were great. You know, his, his contrib- often... His contributions to goals were excellent, but he wasn't involved enough in games. Um, and I, I can't wait to hear his, his best eleven with Riley actually, because he apparently he talks about his, you know, the 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 position that he sees himself playing best in. 
Um, I mean, we, we've, we've viewed him as a 10. He was, he was a, a replacement for Polworth, but it was obvious to us that he plays much higher up the park with Polworth yeah. than Polworth did and, and was often referred to as a luxury player by some in our support. And he did, he did go missing in games. There's no doubt about that. Um, but getting the best out of him could definitely be key to our success this season. Well, the best, the best 11's taken that long to edit because there's so much swearing in it. So, <laughs> AY, in my old story, um, Barry said, his actual quote is, he probably can give us more and I think he will. Pace is a massive weapon. Now, Barry Wilson, you know, should know, you know, what, what does that suggest to you? Uh, I think he will. Could imply that he thinks he's not given us enough or he needs to work harder, you know, or else he's shown something in training that um, he hadn't shown previously. Yeah. It kind of depends where he plays him. I'm not convinced that he's got anything more than pace yet. You know, he played pretty well for us as a striker. Um, played when, very well, uh, well very well for us as a striker. Very yeah, well. When, when, when Ryan Christie was there, kind of threading balls through for him and that sort of thing. If what Stevie's saying is true and Keatings is competing for a number nine role, and if we're still thinking about the possibility of Robbo playing a big player up there, then I'm not quite sure, you know, is there an opportunity for him to play as, um, play as a striker? The thing is, I mean, I think he was actually okay wide last season tracking back. I think he's powerful and he covered well. But I think he's got very lot of creativity going forward. I don't know what it is. He's, he's fast, but I don't remember him putting in many decisive final balls, you know. If you're realistic about actually being a team that's challenging, right, then you'd imagine that we would be a team that wants to press, not being a team that wants to be a counter-attacking team. My yep. story as the striker in a pressing team doesn't work because yeah, story's main thing is his pace. So unless we're a team that's going to invite pressure onto us, right, then I don't see how he works in that formation. And do we want to invite pressure onto us when our central defence might be a 20-year-old who's not really been the first choice in thing and Danny Devine, you know, I don't think so. So I think we probably want to be a team that's on the offensive. And in that it's not great. You could go two up front next season, boys. It might surprise us. Right, well, but has Story ever played in a two, though? You know? No, he's at wide. He can't play midfield. He's got to play yeah. right. I, I don't see him as a starter in our first 11 unless we're going to play him as a wide right winger. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about what we're all itching to talk about. You know, tactics. 4 4 2, 3 5 2, 4 3 3. Those are the exact numbers of bestiality incidents as reported to Russia police in the last few years. <laughs> Keep that in. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that's the number of Tesco's that have opened up each year in the rest for the last three years. <laughs> first one's better. Right, Ross, you want to talk about tactics, on you go. Well, what we know about Robbo is, uh, and formations is that he's not, He's not one of these managers that's attached a particular formation or playing style. I think he's quite pragmatic. And I think as Inverness manager, you have to be. You have to, you probably just have to build a squad before you can decide what the formation is. Do you know what I mean? It's, it depends on what you've ended up with before you can decide how best to use it. I think we remember he brought us up in 2003 by playing quite a kind of narrow 4-3-3. And then when, when he came back, he played a 4-4-2 for long enough before realising that he needed to play 4-2-3-1 to accommodate Polworth and to play around Polworth. Um, and then he stuck with that last season for the most part, um, even when it didn't always look like the best thing. I think there's also a question about this league. Andrew was talking there about um, 
how we won't be a counter-attacking team in this league and so Story wouldn't work through the middle. I think he only played Story once through the middle last season and it was away to Dundee. There's such a, a range of games in this league. You've got, you've got, you've got teams that will sit in against you, the part-time teams, probably Queen of the South now, Morton. There's probably those four teams. And then you've got a bunch of teams that you're going to have really even games against, the other four teams, basically. And then you've got Hearts. Um, so I, I guess in the end, they probably a manager probably decides just to have a steady formation that they stick with that the players know. Because you kind of switch it for every type of opponent you have. I, I, I still believe that to compete in this division, we probably do need to have that flexibility that for the Hearts games, maybe for Dundee games, to stick an extra midfielder in. And you've got James Vincent kind of hanging around. And you just kind of think, well, here's the guy that's going to give us more control of the game. If our first choice two centre midfielders are Carson and, um, and Welsh, you just think, well we're going to be under the caution this game. We bring Vincent in, we'll keep the ball better, everything will be calmer, and we, we pull away one of the more kind of flair players. But the other, the other thing to mention is just the balance of the squad. The balance of the squad as we have it does point to a change in formation. The signing of Divine now means that we have a lot of options at centre-half. Um, Toshney, McHattie, Mackay, Divine, Dees. We've got f- potentially five centre-halves. So you ask yourself... Is he thinking about playing three at the back? And then the fact that we haven't signed a target man makes you wonder, and, and, and we know that Shane will be big out wide, makes you wonder if he's thinking of playing a kind of three up there. And you could play a kind of balanced three with a man through the middle, be it Story or Keatings, Doran and Sutherland. That would be a kind of interesting three. Um, but you need I can, tell, right I can tell you that he, that he will not be playing that system for one reason, and that is we haven't signed a right back. We haven't got a right We're going to need a right back. Well, here's a shirt, boys. We, not, nece- not, not necessarily. Brad Mackay could just be given squad number two. Brad Mackay will be, Brad McKay will be right back. Yeah, here, now here's one thing more often. I think uh, when Ross was speaking about Vincent coming at midfield there, and you're saying about first choice, Vincent and, uh, sorry, Carson and Welsh. Carson played right back for us last season. A lot of oh, times. Badly. Terrible. I, 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 know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying, I, I'm not, that could be an option where... To get Vincent in the midfield, it goes Vincent and Welsh and Carson's your right back. The thing though is that he Robbo really, really rates Carson. He really likes Carson. He talks about so he do, he doesn't want to play him out of position. I think he sees Carson as Ross seeing as an absolute star. I don't yeah. see Carson being a starter. I see Vincent and Welsh as your first first choice uh, six and an eight. I disagree. I think Ross is right. I don't think he'll start Vincent. I think it's well yeah. from Carson. Yeah. You might be wrong. See, I'll, I'll wait you a pint on that one when we go again, but I think... Well, he, he already owes four pints from losing that court case. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Spit that! Well, well, well. Okay, let's do what they do on Radio 2 in the mornings and take a pause for thought, a moment to reflect on the vagaries of life and the literal pantheon of heroes that have passed through our marbled podcast arches over the past few months. Contrary to popular belief, um, we don't have any, well, we didn't have any contacts to speak of. Um, or we, didn't have, we didn't have before we began the pod, to be honest. Um, players, players and staff, just like fans, have picked it up over time. They've had a listen, they've got in touch, they've got involved, or when Riley's got in touch with them, they've been receptive to talk to us. Um, so genuinely, we're, we're very, we're very um, appreciative of all the guys, the football players, uh, and the, the club staff and coaches that have come and talked to us. 
and, and being able, you know, giving them an opportunity to speak to, the, to all the fans and listen to the pod. Um, so we're just going to go through a couple of the pods and just talk about ourselves and reflect on a couple of the guys. And um, start off with the Christies, the Christie legacy, we called it. I think it's our, it's been our most popular pod to date, you know, bar our very first one that we did, the Sean Rooney one. Um, but the way Charlie Christie spoke on that pod, he should be involved in the football club as much as possible, shouldn't he? Not just running the lottery, AY. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but yeah, I'm, yeah, absolutely, you know. I mean, I love the way he talks about football. I like the way he talks about youth development. I like the really strong sense he has of Inverness as a unit of a city and of what the team's place should be within the city. He really, really kind of sees the kind of club, you know, within the city as a sort of vision going forward. Charlie Pods were a fucking, an absolute pleasure to do. And, uh, that, was your first, that was your first F word of the pod. I've written it back in. You boys have <laughs> and as a notorious swear, I'm pretty happy I've lasted this long, right? But the Charlie Pods, both with Ryan and uh, the best thing they've done with, with AY were, were, were fantastic to listen to. And um, I just don't know if maybe Charlie is maybe rubbed someone up the wrong way unnecessarily and not meaning to in the club because how we're not tapping into his brain not just about football, but how we bring the city and the club together. And I won't get into it now, but we need to bring the city and the club together because we're, we're good for each other. And yeah, I agree with what Andrew says there. It's um, yeah, amazing to listen to and the guy should be involved in the club. He is the guy that's managed the team, captained the team, played for both teams. He should be the club ambassador. I don't know if he, I don't know if he would want that. I mean, he's got he's got ideas. He's you know he's a really articulate guy, um, who's obviously doing really great work with the youth system. His his record of manager was really interesting and worth examining. I mean, I enjoyed that part of the pod as much as anything. Hearing Charlie talk about his period as Cali Thistle manager because I think it's something we don't talk about enough. But to me, he's he's not a fit for that kind of role. He's and he and as he betrayed in 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 the pod. He's he's got thoughts about potentially, you know, getting all the richest people in the Highlands together and uh, and bringing them into Cali Thistle. So maybe we've got that to look forward to in the future. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll move on. Um, Liam Polworth, very fitting because he scored, I think, his first European goal uh, as a time of recording last night. Um, for me, I've got to say, right, some of the best crack we've had recording any of the pods with any of these guys. You know, I had we had a good laugh with Rooney and White. But I had an even better laugh with uh, with Paulie. He was really, really, he was really self-deprecating. He was, he, he, he was your mate you meet in the pub who takes a piss out of himself, you know. Um, and the great thing about that was it was such a surprise because we didn't know anything about Paulie. You know, there was the whole body language thing, head down and everything. I, I was kind of, and it was what it was the second player pod that that had been done. So I was kind of yep. thinking, oh, is this guy going to be like no chat and it's going to be really flat? But he was really lovely, and uh, and I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that pod, and I loved the fact that he can't remember anything about his career. Hey, why, why, Andrew, do you think that did, listen, like when you listen to that one back, did, did you think does it make you feel a bit embarrassed for the way he was treated by some folk? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been embarrassed by the way he was treated by people for ages, though, haven't we? I mean, he was. It was but he, but he, it, you know, he it from his own words, you know, he it from himself. Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. What it did was it confirmed it. You know, I sometimes kind of wonder, you know, are, are we kind of imagining like people's negativity towards him? But no, I mean, the fact that he was so conscious of it is, is deeply embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was a fine, fine player, you know. And, and Sog, who's not on tonight, is always, you know, talked about that. You know, people like to say that, um, you know, people seem to say he doesn't, he doesn't show the right attitude. He, he looks sad. You know, he, he isn't emotive enough, but it's like, he's the guy he is. I think he showed it in the park, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. 
passion for the club was fantastic. The way he spoke about his dislike of County was brilliant. Oh, I loved, loved that bit. Uh, you know, anytime he plays against Ross County, I'm going to have a bet on for him to score. Or maybe get booked. Best 11s. Uh, one question that I got down here for you, Riley, for the best 11s. This is what everybody wants to know, even though you know, they might not have said it, but they're thinking it. Did you know Meekins wasn't coming back? Well, it's closely revealed that he's not coming back because uh, we can't afford him. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's and again, I think Josh's uh, partner from Inverness, I think she wanted to move back and it's no secret that she didn't like living in Dundee, but I think Josh wants to crack at England and uh, to be fair, I'm, 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 I'm hoping he does well because I think if we came back north, he wouldn't be sending for us, he'd be sending for those those buggers across the bridge. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah, best luck to, to Josh when uh, he gets his move. Okay, Yogi, the big man, John Hughes. Um Really enjoyed talking to a guy who's a hero of, of everybody on this pod and hero of most fans, um, if not everybody. Um, do you think he regrets leaving us and will we see him here back again? I feel like there's a, there's a lot to uncover from the way that he left that he didn't go into and maybe we'll never hear. But a lot of the a lot of the pods and the best 11s have focused a lot on the cup winning team and, the, and that period of success. But and probably nobody wants to listen to it, but that period of decline, you know, Yogi's last season, Foran's season, the chairman at the time, there's, there's a massive story there that has never really been told. And Yogi hinted at some of that. I thought that was really interesting. That was, for me, that was some of the most interesting stuff, like that he yeah. wanted Meekins. He decided Meekins was to play right back. And he oh, the Raven thing, yeah. Bringing in, he was getting rid of Raven. He knew he was, who he was bringing in at left centre half. But the chairman insisted we're giving big contracts to Raven and Foran, who hadn't played all season. Mm-hmm. Um, the that was that 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 to me that was just the tip of the iceberg of of a really big kind of story about our descent. I don't think, and, and, and more few were on the, on it with me. I don't, I don't think we touched on it. And the, I still think, in my opinion, you boys might disagree. I, I still think the United refusal to give them um, permission to chat to them wasn't covered in the pod. I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't think it... It may have been a lot of family issues as well, but it was too much a coincidence that we'd knocked him back to, say, to talk to Dundee United. And then since then, we had to decline. But yeah, what a pleasure. Yeah, I think it was, it, was a, it was a sort of progression of behaviour from the board. So there was that. And then there was the not giving him the money that he thought he was due for contracts and whatnot. And then there was... And then the overruling of the of the contracts, although I think the overruling of the contracts happened early in the season, so he knew he was going, maybe even from January or even before that, I think he knew he was going. I feel like the best stuff we heard about Yogi was from Charlie and Ryan. That really yeah. made you stop and think about how, what influence Yogi was. Yeah. Um, and Even Gary Warren and David Raven, who've been released by him, rave about Yogi. and that, Raven, who's not been on our best living, rates him so much and stuff and you'd think the Raven would have a, a grudge to bear but he doesn't well, it was, Tansy, it was, everybody that's played under him yeah. absolutely raved about well, it was, it was nice to be able to to sort of sign off Yogi's tenure well, with the, the different views from all different people and for there to be a sort of more rounded picture of the whole story of that it was really uh, well, I think Ryan Christie's then commenting off was the best when he said can you ask him when when he's going to get another job so I can play for him again this is a guy that plays for Celtic well, who can go to the Premier League he wants to Years. The difference in the coaching Neil Lennon and him must be uh, night and day. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's that's quite topical at the moment. Let's move on to the last two. Uh, the chairman Ross Morrison. Um, Ross, have you ever heard a chairman of 
of our football club or any football club uh, speak so emotively as, as he did on the podcast that he did with us over, over the summer. No, that was really nice. It's good to know that he's got that background. He's got that love for the club. And yeah, you, you couldn't leave listening to that podcast with without the knowledge that he just wants the best for the club. And um, that that's probably not always the case with chairman. So uh, he's not he's not promoting himself. He's not he's not some kind of big hitter businessman in Inverness promoting himself. He's in that job because he loves this club, and that's really encouraging and and you know to know. So Ross, you weren't involved in the Scott Gardner interview either. So you know he says all the right things as far as ICT is concerned, is isn't it right? Puts forward a very kind of encouraging vision of the potential of the club, and I found that really exciting. He, he, he's engaged with a lot of the issues that fans have raised around the match day experience. Um, obviously, he's produced these strips that uh, you know are, are really beautiful and used that to to push people to. He's engaged with the community. Um, my own, my my main concern off the back of that interview would be that he saw it as a short term gig. And he still doesn't know if it's a long-term gig. So that stability is still not quite there yet. We don't know whether... Uh, of course, at the time we did that interview, we were still worried that him and Robbo were going to uh, jump off to hearts at any moment, you know. But but he he talked about it quite openly, about the fact that he'd been asked to come up for six months to stabilise the ship. His wife was still in Edinburgh, and he didn't know whether it was something long-term. So I'm going to say I'm, I was and bang on great point. Ross. I'm a skeptical of Scott Gardner and stuff. And uh, when he when he first came on board and stuff, and I haven't spoke to him a few times on the pod. I rate the guy. Um, track record can we can we can talk about track record. He's not been in the greatest of clubs in terms of what they've done, but he, excuse my friend, he gives a shit about this club. He's been in it when everyone was followed. He was in there every single day. He cares about the club. I, I think he's there for long term. I agree that there was a worry where. With Robo and Hearts, I think it was a two for one job if Robo went, but I think he's just a long term. I think he gives a shit about the club, and uh, I think it's good to have someone from outside Inverness who's maybe got an eye on how we can progress the club. Because I think from yeah, from our history, we've had a lot of guys that have been they mean to do well and stuff like that, but they're very, very maintained within Highland culture and how we can make us better within the Highlands. Right. Scott Gunn make us a bigger, better business out with the Highlands. So Give him a chance. I think he'll do well, guys. Okay, right. Well, Barry Wilson, uh, he knows the club as well as anybody. He was well aware of the efforts going into the club pre-lockdown. Uh, and as we get back to some semblance of normality, let's get the final views of the pod from Barry. Had, and I think we all wish, had COVID not came along. Yeah. Um, obviously, we all wish that. But pre-COVID, the, the club was looking you know, really really strong you know Scott had a lot of things in place going ahead this year with sponsorship and, and different little you know obviously concerts and, and stuff like that you know we're hoping to be self-sustainable Covid's came along and, and we're yet to see the real effects of that obviously the boys being on on furloughs has been a godsend for every football club but I, I do think we've got the right people in the right places yeah we're not we're not far away from being from, from being fine, you know. Um, we can just get through this tricky spell that we'll be without the fans or with minimum fans or whatever it's going to be. Once we get through that, I can, yeah, I mean, Scott's done, done great stuff. Um, any wee message for fans that maybe haven't got a ticket yet or maybe pondering whether or not to come along to stay next season, why should they come and see us? 
Oh, everyone that's bought one, the club's really, really appreciated it. I mean, I, I you know, spoke to Scott and, and he's been overwhelmed by the by the kindness and by the by the response that the, the fans have given, given that the the uncertainty um of everything. I mean, the response was overwhelming. It really was. If they haven't got one, yeah, listen, if you can it would be great. You know, we're we're definitely trying to put a, a product out on the pitch that's that's going to be good to watch. Um, I've watched some games this year already in the Premier League, and you know I haven't been mm. haven't been too impressed. But I know it's early stages and getting used to no crowds and stuff like that. And it was the same in the English Premiership, so yeah. you know hopefully hopefully it'll just take a wee bit of time to to get together. Hopefully by the time we get going, there'll be fans in, mm-hmm. and uh, like I say, we'll be doing everything that we can to try and get a get a winning team out there. So. If you can't back us with their voices initially, then you can back us with her by taking a season ticket and, and helping the club, and that would be brilliant. brilliant. But everything everyone's done already has been really appreciated. It really has. It's been phenomenal response. Right, these guys, they, um, they all speak so emotively. They're your Barry Wilsons and your Charlie Christie's and your others, don't they, Ross? Do they make you, do they make you excited about going back to the games? Definitely, I can't wait to go back to the games, and and you can tell that Barry can't wait either. You know, bring it on as soon as possible. No, I'm the same. I think it's. Uh, I said at the start of the pod. I think uh, this might this lockdown may do Scottish football a world of good in the long term. I think people will miss going to a game on a Saturday and stuff, and I think having that opportunity to go back to a game will hopefully increase crowds, not just at our ground but across the board. And uh, yeah, let's hurry up and do it. Right, well, if that's, if that's everything from everybody, um, that's, that's all from us for our first pod back. Um, so it's bye from Barry, uh, and it's bye from me, and it's bye from Riley. Bye. Bye from EY. Goodbye. Bye from Ross. Cheerio. Uh, and we'd just like to say it's been an absolute, uh, it's an absolute pleasure actually being back doing this. Really enjoyed it. Um, hope everyone that's been listening to it has been enjoying it as well. Before we go, here's a quick trail for what we've got coming up. The best 11s will continue over the next few weeks and at the end of September we're going to bring you the Winest Shuffle Season 2 bearing with our big bumper preview pod bursting with actual real analysis what we will have done a look behind the scenes at Cali Thistle playing staff interviews, ex-players random views from random and very ill-informed opposition fans plus all the usual Highland highlights subs heavy sack of mail nightmare 11 monstrosities to Galore, basically the opposite of Tom Walsh, ambitious. Basically, like think Revolver. Uh, we're, all, we're all off. We're all off to find ways of getting into Borough Briggs. Take care of yourselves and each other, and bye for now. Now that we're all settled, how about some fun songs to liven up our campfire? No problem. Let's all sing "Gang Gang together. Hey, la, hey, la, she, la, hey, la, she.